1: has been my guide Three things. You want to know your purpose in life, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and preach the gospel. Do you know everything else is secondary? Love God. Love your neighbor. Preach the gospel. We are to have purpose. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with those things? See, it's not someone else's task to preach it. It's not, hey, I'll just tell them to go to church and the pastor will teach them. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility as an individual Christian to share the gospel. It doesn't mean street evangelism for everyone. It means reach that neighbor, talk to him, that friend. Remind them, you know, last week I had a conversation with a friend who's who's getting ready to go hopefully be with the Lord. He doesn't have much time to live. They've given him a very short time. And you know, it's amazing how clear things become for a person like that. How the clarity of the gospel just seems to come into complete focus. And every single one of us have an appointment with God. And every single one of the lost out there have an appointment with God. We should do our best. But we have to guard ourselves against the leaven. Ah, those people, they'll never change. Oh, they're already in a religion. They'll never come to Christ. Oh, those kids, man, they're caught up in a weird lifestyle. Yes, yeah, so were you to somebody else. Think about your own story. Now, some of you, you were born, you come out of the womb. At three years old, you're born again. You've lived holy and righteous lives. God bless you. But that's not my story, and it's probably not yours. Aren't you thankful that God saw you? That little boy, that little girl, that young man, that young woman, that man, that woman, that he saw you, that he had compassion on you, that he reached down from heaven and touched your heart, that he put his spirit inside of you and gave you new life? How compassionate should we be then? We are just one beggar showing other beggars where to, be, where to get bread, the bread of life. And so look at, look at this, how Jesus destroys their religious expectations again, verses five through eight. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and blessed. And having blessed them, he said to them, also before them, or set them also before them. So they ate and were filled. That, by the way, where it says filled, it means it's the word for gluttony. It's stuffed, you know. Uh, they were stuffed like Thanksgiving dinner stuffed. I'm still stuffed from Thanksgiving. I'm telling you the truth. And they took up seven large baskets, leftover uh, large baskets of leftover fragments. Now, here's the thing. Remember in. Uh, Mark chapter 6, when he fed the 5,000, the 20,000 Jewish people. Remember what it said back then, there were 12 baskets left over. And it must be noted, those 12 baskets in Mark 6 were small, personal-sized baskets. And I told you how one was given to each disciple because they were serving the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing, when we serve the Lord, He always provides for us. But I left some things out so that I could bring them up to, to you today. I touched on it a little bit, but I want to explain something. There's more going on in that feeding in Mark chapter 6 than first meets the eye. The Jewish men, these 12 disciples and all the Jewish people, would have recognized everything that was happening because it was all about Israel. It was all about Israel in that first feeding, those 20,000 people. you got to understand, remember he had them sit down in groups of 50? That was a common practice in Jewish feasts to sit down in groups of 50. But 50 is a very key number in Israel. 50 is the number of Jubilee. Not only that, 12 baskets left over. Yes, it was for each disciple, but also 12 is the number of Israel representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Not only that, 5, we know it's the number of grace, but to the Jewish people, it's the number of the Torah, of the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, the books of the law, This would have been an obvious statement. Jesus feeding 20,000 Jewish people, 5,000 Jewish men, 12 baskets left over, sitting in groups of 50. They would have recognized that. But only if you have spiritual eyes to see can you and I see that. We have to recognize those things. But now what has happened? Now we see he's feeding Gentiles. He's feeding Gentiles. And you know, here's the thing about about Jesus' journey here. We know he came to the house of Israel first, didn't he? He came to Israel first. He tells us that but he also came to the Gentiles. And the disciples should have known this, and all of Israel should have known this. I mean, if we read in Isaiah 42, verse 6 through 7, the prophecy, it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. He's talking to the Israelites, to the Jewish nation, and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. Yes, through Messiah, ultimately. But that's why God set aside Israel. That's why he brought them up. That's why he set aside a nation. It was not just for Israel. It wasn't just for them. Jesus came first, primarily to the house of Israel, but also to the Gentiles. And he's trying to teach his disciples this. They should have known this. All of Israel should have known this. And yet we know they didn't. They missed it. And so now we see Jesus has seven loaves and a few fish. And I don't think, he doesn't even number the fish, and I think there's a reason for that. But we see seven uh, loaves, and then he feeds them all, and now we read seven large baskets are left over with all these fragments. Understand, these are large baskets. These are two handled baskets. You could lift them, I guess, if you had really big arms. I, I got short little stubby arms, so I couldn't do it. But, you know, here's the amazing thing. These were seven large, very large baskets It's the same basket, and here's the thing. Remember who the apostle to the Gentiles was? Paul. When he got saved, the Damascus Road, that whole thing, in Acts chapter 9, Paul, who was then Saul, starts preaching in the synagogues, and the religious leaders do what? They want to kill him. And I don't think, I don't miss this. Again, it takes spiritual eyes to see this. But Paul is then let down in a large basket over the side of the wall to save his life. Remember in the middle of the night? If you don't know that story, go read Acts 9. But it's the same term, large basket. It's the same type of basket that the apostle to the Gentiles was placed in to be saved. And now we see these seven large baskets full of fragments. And what is the number seven? Do you know what it is in God's economy? Completion, perfect completion. That's what the number seven is. So why are there seven baskets left over? I believe this is all by God's design. He came to the Jew first. And so Mark 6, we see him feeding 20,000 Jewish people with, with 12 baskets left over, one for each disciple, but one also representing each tribe of Israel with the 50 and the five, all of that pointing to Israel. And now we see in Mark chapter 8, he's feeding 16,000 Gentiles with seven large baskets left over, which means there's more food even left over this time. But it shows a completion. It's a complete picture of God's plan. If you ever wonder, why did Jesus feed this many here and this many here? Why there are Jews being fed here and Gentiles being fed here? He's painting a spiritual picture for all of us to see. But it takes spiritual eyes to see. And his disciples were missing it again. They weren't seeing the complete picture. He came to Israel first, but he also came for the Gentiles. And so I love this because Jesus sees that his disciples aren't getting it again. And so you know what he does? He decides he's going to make a quick pit stop. And I just love this. Now, humor me for a second, but little things like this tickle me in the scripture because Jesus is looking at his disciples. You can just see him looking at his disciples. (sighs) They still don't get it. And so what he's going to do is he's going to make a quick pit stop along the way to their next destination. And it's so amazing because in verse 9 and 10 it says this, Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. So Jesus gets in the boat and says, guys, let's go. I got something real quick to show you. And then look at this in verse 11 and 12. He stops at this place, and on cue... Pharisee comes out to accost Jesus. <laughs> Could you imagine? Just think about this. Jesus is like, well, okay, get in the boat, guys. I want to show you something. He goes to this little port, stops, and just waits for the, Jews to, the Jewish leaders to come out and accost him. That's literally what happens. Look at this. Then the Pharisee came out, Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. He takes his disciples. They pull up to this, Pharise- this, this little port. These Pharisees come out and accost him like they always do with their leaven, with their pride, being all puffed up. And they're like, Oh, yeah, you, you, you say that you're one thing. Well, give us a sign. Show us who you really are. You see, they were looking with their physical eyes. They wanted physical miracles to prove who Jesus was. They couldn't rely on faith. They couldn't rely on the spirit. They didn't have spiritual eyes to see. And Jesus is showing his disciples, look at this example. And we know they would never receive a sign except the sign of the cross, which they'd reject. But I, it also breaks my heart that it says Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. You know, Jesus is God incarnate. He established Israel for this very journey. He established Israel not only for the sake of Israel, but to be a light to the Gentiles. And yet how many religious leaders in Israel missed it? Most of them, if not almost all of them. So he sighed deeply because they wanted physical proof. Again, the only sign they ever got was the cross.
0: This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.
1: Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A-Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.